Welcome to the Christ Academy podcast with Jeff Wong, where you'll receive inspiring ideas and stories as we explore the journey of faith in Christ. All right, good people. We're going to head into Acts 21. Before we do, let me just say a prayer before we begin Acts 21. Um, Heavenly Father, we want to pray for those in our community that are going through things, whether they're physical, whether they're mental, emotional, spiritual. We pray for your healing to be on people within our community, for eyes, for backs, for um, for mental mental health, God, depression, for those who are struggling to want to get up in the morning or wanting to even live. Lord, us, our family members, we pray for your power to be in our lives, God, and for your healing to take place. We call on the power of Jesus and in his name. Thank you. And as we head into Acts 21 right now, God, we pray for you to speak. Speak through me. Speak in the hearts of everyone that's tuning in, that's listening live and on demand later on. We ultimately want you. We don't want just some some human words, but we understand that you speak through your scriptures and you speak through people. Those are two ways that you speak amongst many. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, here we go. We're going to go to Acts 21. Today I have entitled my message, How to Follow Jesus. This is the how. Okay? So, let's head straight into the scriptures. Take note of what you see on the screen, guys, as we head into this particular passage today. For those of you guys that have been tracking along in life groups, I found that this for a lot of us, was a particularly difficult, challenging chapter because there's so much, there's so many like geographical terms, places, cultural things, history, names that made this very, very difficult to understand. And um, I want to, I want to encourage you guys, those of you guys that have been digging in and trying your best and still trying to participate, way to go. It's not easy. And um, and there's Bible tools that can help you as a part of it. But even using that is a very difficult thing, more than you're used to. But you guys are rising up to the challenge. You're digging in, like you're, you're picking up that shovel. You're pitching into the into the sand, and you're digging for the treasure of God's word. And sometimes we got to do that. Sometimes we got to do that because the Bible, whether we like it or not, it took the writings took place in a certain place and time, a certain place in the world, there's cultural context, there's historical context, and there's religious context to the whole thing. And so it takes some work to understand it. But as you build up your knowledge, you're building up this foundation that you can build on. And so this is one of those chapters, and I'm not going to talk, as I usually don't, I don't talk about the whole chapter, but we're going to key in on a few verses. And I feel like God's got a word for us through them. It was it was great in in the in the Monday life group hearing what God was speaking through through each of the people that were participated a Thursday life group took a break this particular week but here we go Acts 21 verses 8 to 14 all right so we're going to go straight into the verses it says then he moved this is Paul then he moved on to Caesarea and by the way Caesarea it's named after Caesar so then he then Paul moved on to Caesarea. In Caesarea, we, you'll notice for the second time 
in the book of Acts, at least that I remember, it uses the term we. And so the author of Acts, which we know is who? It's Dr. Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke. We, we see that he included himself here. So in Caesarea, we stayed with Philip the evangelist. You'll remember that name from earlier in Acts. Philip was directed by the Holy Spirit of God to go out towards the desert and into the desert. You know, he didn't completely know why, but God had a divine appointment for him. And so this is the same Philip the evangelist that met with the Ethiopian eunuch. Guys, remember in the community social, we went to an Ethiopian eunuch. I mean, an Ethiopian restaurant, not an Ethiopian eunuch. It's And... God was showing us more about Ethiopian culture. But this is the same Philip the Evangelist. It says that he was one of the seven, which included Philip, Stephen, and five other men that were um, appointed to look after the issue of the widows that were, the Hebrew widows were being favored in the daily food distribution, and the Greek widows were being left out, if you remember that from earlier in Acts. This is the same Philip. And it says in verse 9, his four virgin daughters, they were unmarried. They were living with him still. His four virgin daughters lived with him, each having the gift of prophecy. That's pretty outstanding. I was sharing that in, in my own um, reflection this week as I was hearing from God. It was a challenge seeing that how Philip raised his family and his four daughters. I don't know if he had more kids, but his four daughters were so in tune with God they were prophesying and that's amazing and usually daughters that weren't married they're quite young still so all the more challenge the challenge to raise your kids up in the Lord and if you do that you need to be in tune with God you need to be growing yourself so I don't mean to be getting on going on in a micro sermon here but verse 10 um, while we were with them another gifted prophet named Agabus came north from Judea. He took Paul's belt and used it to bind his own feet and hands. So let's pause for a moment. If you can imagine, people um, in those days, the, like poor Jewish people, wore tunics. And you've seen a lot of that in The Chosen, when, if you watch a Chosen series with us. And oftentimes they had a fabric belt that they wrapped around their waist a couple of times or a few times, and they would tie it. It's kind of like a sash, but around the waist. And you can see that in the in the picture behind me. And so Agabus, he took Paul's belt from him. So he's like, hey, Paul, give me your belt. He took Paul's belt off of him. And then he used it to bind his own feet and hands. And he he says this, this is a message from the Holy Spirit. So under the influence of the Holy Spirit, Agabus is talking. He says, Unbelieving Jews in Jerusalem will in this way bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to outsiders, to non-Jews. And so let's, let's keep on going in the story here. Verse 12. Now we all joined in imploring Paul. We his companions and Philip... And his daughters, everyone present, begging him not to go one step closer to the city. Because Paul was on his way to Jerusalem. He felt compelled by the Holy Spirit 
to move to Jerusalem, to go to Jerusalem. So in verse 13, Paul says, Please, you break in my heart with your tears. I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm fully prepared to be bound and more, to die for the name of Jesus the King. And when he says King, he has the idea of Messiah. Verse 14, We realized our persuasion was fruitless, so we stopped pleading with him and simply said, The Lord's will be done. And so if I may recap this story. So Paul, on this is a part of his third missionary journey as he went around throughout the Roman Empire. And Paul being a Hebrew person, a Jewish person, he was a Roman citizen, so he had Roman a Roman passport. He spoke Greek. That allowed him... God used that so that he could travel all throughout the Roman Empire, spreading the gospel, starting home churches, communities, little small community churches um, throughout all, each of these cities that he was going through, and him and his companions at different times. And so the gospel spread, and communities were birthed. And at this point in the third missionary journey, he moved to he moved on to Caesarea, and he stayed with that that spiritual giant Philip the Evangelist. And and then along with him and his family, like the, the four virgin daughters, they were able to, they were there, they had the gift of prophecy. And then Agabus from uh, up north in Judea came. And he gives this prophetic, this prophetic action, taking Paul's belt. And this tells us, guys, that God speaks also through prophetic actions. He may compel someone with this gift and and to do something, to take up something. And so he took that belt, he wrapped it around his hands and his feet, and he said, uh, this message is from the Holy Spirit. He declared, this is from the Holy Spirit. And he said, unbelieving Jews in Jerusalem. So Jews, and most Jews were religious. There weren't a whole lot of atheist Jews, I don't think, at that time. But unbelieving Jews, unbelieving in Jesus being the Messiah, that they would bind the owner of this belt and that they would hand him over to outsiders. A prophecy that he would be handed over to the Romans. So everyone started to just to, to plead with Paul, like to, to, to try to convince him, don't go, don't go. If you, can, if you can imagine, the author of the Gospel of Luke is, is there. The one and the Gospel, I mean, the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts, that author is there. It says, we, his companions... So all his companions, and then Philip, the evangelist, the four daughters that could prophesy, they all began to, like these are these are these are hard-hitting spiritual people. They're all trying to convince him not to go, not to go to Jerusalem because they can tell that there's danger along the way. And I don't know about you, but if this was me, I'd probably be listening to them because they hold a lot of weight. Man, the guy who is the one saying we in this book, he might not seem like much, but he's the author of the gospel. He would be the author of the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. Philip, who God was using powerfully. And then if you believe in the gift of prophecy, then you have the four the four daughters there. And you have others, the other companions there. But yet Paul was stubborn and convinced and determined to determine to go and to pursue 
what he felt like the Holy Spirit had been leading him to do, even though these words from other people seemingly conflicted, conflicted in some way. But yet he says, please, you're breaking my heart with your tears. This shows us that they were compelled. They were, they were sad. They were emotional that, that Paul was going to go and that he was probably going to be beat up. He might be killed. He would be captured. He'd be turned over. And so they love Paul, and Paul loves them, and, and, and he has such a hard time with it. It's, it's tugging on his emotional heartstrings, but yet he knows that he must go. He must go because he feels like Jesus is directing him to go. He says he knows exactly what he's doing. And in other words, you might, be compel- you might be trying to compel me not to go because of what you see that might happen to me. But in other words, I need to go because of what might happen through me by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because God wants me to go. And so he goes, he, he's determined to go in the name of Jesus the King. And so no one can convince him. And so everyone stopped pleading. And they just said, the Lord's will be done. The Lord's will be done. What could you do? The Lord's will be done. You have to respect someone who feels like they're following God. And you pray for them and you support them. So I have a few points that I want to talk about today that have to do with following Jesus. This is how to follow Jesus when you look at the life of Paul. All right, so before, before actually I go on too, like, too deep into this, I want to say this. When I observe what I see in church these days, I primarily see a bunch of people that attend worship services, maybe a small group or of some sort, whether it's a life group, a Bible study group, a small group, alpha, whatever it might be. I primarily see people going to these things and church events and they go and they hear the Word of God or they they experience the Word of God through the Scriptures in some way. But they're unwilling to suffer. And they don't fully follow Jesus. They're influenced by Jesus in some particular way, but they're not that diligent in following Jesus. And they're always looking for a way for their heart their hearts to be touched by it, by what they're experiencing. But so seldom are they going and living out the ways of Jesus. Can I say that? I just want to be honest with you. This is what I see when I look at the church, when I look at the church. And in a sense, this is a wake-up call for us. This is a wake-up call for us to follow Jesus. And today's message has to do with that. And a part of that is being willing to suffer. Be willing to suffer, just as Paul was willing to suffer. And you see a few things when you look at his willingness to suffer. There, the first thing is that there's a willingness. He's, there's a willingness. Most of us in our Western culture, we value convenience so much. Have you noticed that as, you, as you've grown up in, in, in your Western culture, whether you live in Canada, the United States, or England, or somewhere else, have you noticed that, that over the decades, people, people love more and more convenience, and businesses are catering more and more to their convenience? You know, I remember when I was growing up, we received like a, a catalog in the mail of, for, for Sears, 
like a general department store and you look at that and sometimes you'd order through that but most of the time you'd actually go to the store and you actually go and you do your shopping there and for the most part that's how people shopped but nowadays we have Amazon if you trace back the roots of Amazon you remember that Amazon used to sell books their logo starts with A ends with Z like they used to sell books things with letters in them, letters and words. But they expanded and they did a great job of making all kinds of products available to all kinds of people all over the world at a very, very convenient way. And they, and you could receive your packages pretty quickly, especially if you have Amazon Prime. In the future, they're hoping to get get packages to you within within an even shorter time. And we'll see what, that, what that's like. Maybe they'll use drones or whatever that, that might be. But then it's not just Amazon. Everywhere began began to make shopping available online. As we went through the pandemic from 2000 all the way till now, more and more people got accustomed to ordering things online because it's convenient. Whether you order your food from DoorDash or Skip the Dishes or Uber Eats, we do that a lot. We do that a lot whenever we feel like we're too busy or we're too tired. Um, or we want to try something different, we order from these from these services. We use Amazon a lot. It also used to be that people, when you want to engage in entertainment, when you want to watch a show, when you want to watch a movie, you'd go to the movie theater and watch it. Or you'd go to the video shop. You'd go to Blockbuster. Remember what that is? That old extinct store that used to rent videos and there's all kinds of smaller ones and other ones as well you'd go there and you'd actually take time and you'd look at what movies are available on the shelf you see the boxes there and you pick them up you look at them you look at the back and you go and you you kind of shop around to see what do you want to rent and you'd pay to rent that for a day or two days and you'd get two or three of them and then you take you you pay to rent them and you receive them in these plastic boxes and you go home and you take the VCR cassette thing and you put it in to the v, to the to the v, the VCR I guess it's called then came along Netflix which disrupted the whole thing and it became even more convenient I was just saying to my wife the other day remember we used to only have 13 channels she was wondering this came up because in my studio we were watching we were watching something I think on Netflix and I think she she was asking should we get this other service and I was just contemplating on how much entertainment we have available man Netflix has made made available I don't know if they have they have millions of products in their catalog uh, in terms of TV series movies whatever it might be but then we also there's also Disney plus and we have access to Disney plus too but then we also have Amazon Prime, which we don't even use for movies. We have three of these, these. I don't even know what you call them. But we have access to so much entertainment. She asked, should we get this other one? And because, uh, you know, we don't even really think about it that much. But we, we have, instead of having just access to, thir- to, th- to three channels, with the, I mean 13 channels, and you can only watch one channel at a time, we have access to all these millions and millions and millions of shows. And it's so convenient for us. It's never have we had such convenience. And I remember with music, it's the same thing. You used to have to go to the store and shop around for music and look at 
uh, and, and look at look at records or look at whatever it might be that you want to purchase, whether whether they're CDs or whatever it might be, depending on what point in history were you listening to, were you purchasing music. But now, <coughs> Spotify. Then after Spotify, there's all kinds of there's Apple Music. There's there's all kinds of other places to shop around for music as well. Never have we had so much convenience, and why? It's because our culture values convenience so much. We can't even walk into a restaurant, a fast food restaurant, to purchase our food. We have to order it on our mobile and pick it up, or we have to go through the drive-thru. We can't even open our door to get our food. We can only press the button to open our window. It used to be that you have to roll down your window, but we like convenience so much that you 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 just press a button. And so, because we like convenience so much, we brought that culture into our Christianity, into our following Jesus. And I want to tell you right now, it's so hard to follow Jesus if you value convenience when it comes to Him. If the sermon's not good enough, if the worship music's not good enough, if you have to worship in person, if you have to worship online, if you have to worship, whatever it is, if it has to be convenient for you and you won't follow Jesus unless it's convenient, then what kind of Christianity is that? It's a bastardized form of Christianity, one that only values convenience when it comes to following Jesus. Because following Jesus is like, is following Jesus is following the, the, the narrow path It's following that narrow path that not many people are going to follow and that Paul followed. He followed Jesus because he was willing to suffer. Suffering is the opposite of convenience. For us these days, we feel like suffering is getting out of your car to go order your food. Suffering is getting out of your house, driving to Burger King so that you can get your burger. Suffering is driving 45 minutes to go to church, driving an hour to get to church, driving an hour back. This is so bizarre. We worship a king that suffered the ultimate type of suffering for us, but we will only worship him if it involves no suffering. But here we see Paul, he's willing, he's he's willing and he's sacrificing and he's determined about what he needs to do because he feels like God has told him. He went from He went from persecutor, remember he was persecuting Christians, but he went from persecutor to persecuted. And he's willing to do that. He was willing to do that because of what he believed and how much he loved people and how much he wanted people to hear the truth. He was willing to suffer. Willing to suffer. Christians, if we want to really follow Jesus. I'm telling you right now, we have to be willing to suffer. We have to be willing to serve when it's inconvenient. We have to be willing to worship when it's inconvenient. We have to be willing to witness when it's inconvenient, when it's embarrassing, when you are at risk of being trolled, when you're at risk of being insulted, when you're at risk of being rejected. We must be willing to suffer. This is the Christianity that Jesus called people to. He said, take up your cross. Not take up your couch. 
Take up your cross, the death instrument. It wasn't this beautiful gold thing. The cross was dirty. It was sick. It was gross. It was drenched in blood stains all over the place, splinters. It was ugly. Be willing to take up your cross, to get ugly in following Jesus. This is what he's called us to. Not this bastardized version of Christianity. The second thing we got to know when it comes to following Jesus, in addition to being willing to suffer, is this. We need to walk in the same footsteps as Jesus. We need to walk in the same footsteps of Jesus. I don't know, when, when you're young and you went to the beach and you saw people's footsteps in the sand, do you ever remember walking and putting your feet in those exact footsteps and trying to trace, trying to walk that same path that you knew someone else did because you could see their footsteps? Putting your left foot where their left foot was, putting your right foot where their right foot was, putting your, le- other, putting your left foot in the next left foot footprint and so on and following. Jesus is trying to tell us right now, if you want to follow me, Jesus, that you need to follow in my footsteps. You don't need to just study about those footsteps. You don't need to just fellowship about those footsteps. You don't come to the beach and sit sit off to the side and look at the footsteps and talk about them and how touched you are or or the historical uh, details about what that was like, although those are things that you can do. But in the end of the day, you have to get up and you have to follow in the footsteps of Jesus to be a follower of Jesus, or else you're just a commentator of Jesus, or else you're just talking about following Jesus. Following Jesus actually involves following Him. Not just studying about Him, not just talking about Him, not just fellowshipping about Him. To have full fellowship with Jesus, we need to follow Jesus. Follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And no one can do that for you except for you. Your pastor can't do that for you. Your husband can't do that for you. Your wife can't do that for you. Your dad, your mom can't do that for you. Your friends can't do that for you. Your kids can't do that for you. And it could be that no one else is following Jesus. But you, the one that Jesus died for, the one that is calling your name and speaking into your heart right now, the one that you watch on The Chosen, the one that you binge, He is calling you to follow Him. For some of us, we spend 99.999999% of our time with following, like supposedly following Jesus. It's just reading and talking and listening about Him. What would it be like if it was more like 60% of your time or 75% of your time was putting your left foot where Jesus put his left foot, going and loving the least of these, putting your right foot where Jesus put his right foot, praying for your enemies, putting your next foot where Jesus put his next foot, and proclaiming the truth of the kingdom of God, and you put your right foot in the next right foot footprint. And it's spending time, extended time alone in solitude, in prayer, You move your left foot and put it in the next left foot. And you schedule time in your month that these are times when I'm going to go away and I'm going to fast and pray because Jesus fasted and prayed. 
You put your right foot in the next right foot. The next footprint. And you get that and you go and you spend time with the types of people that Jesus spent time. Even though you're busy, you're too busy, but you still do it because you're following in the footsteps of Jesus. You make time to follow Jesus. He said, seek first the kingdom of God, his kingdom. If you're going to seek first the kingdom of God, then you can't have Jesus be last place in your life. It doesn't work like that. Seeking first the kingdom of God means seeking first the, the king. And if you seek first the king, you have to follow in his footsteps. For some of us, we're stuck at the, at the beginning looking at Jesus' first few footsteps, and we've been there for years, and Jesus is way down the beach. He's way down there, and we're not following him. And then we say that we're dry. We say that we're dry. We're dry because we're not getting wet with Jesus. He's further down in the beach. He's getting in the water. He's walking on the water. But we're completely dry because we're still at the first few footsteps and we've been there for years. And no one's going to change that for you. Because God has told you so many freaking times what to do. But we don't do it. Only you can do it. Only you can be diligent to do it. And if you're going to walk in the face, the same footsteps as Jesus, you have to be as focused as Paul. You have to be as stubborn as Paul, as determined as Paul, as disciplined as Paul, that no matter what pops up, no matter what pops up on your reels, on your shorts, on YouTube, on Netflix, on Disney+, Plus, on Amazon Prime, no matter what comes up at work, no matter how much your company demands of you, no matter how much school comes up, no matter what kind of relationship possibilities come up no matter what kinds of ideologies come into view and available for you to adopt in your life you have to put Jesus first and be so focused and be so so stubborn so stubborn that you will obey God at any and all costs that he's more important than your husband and your wife or your boyfriend and your or your girlfriend or he's more important than your school and your career and your aspirations he's more important than making money he's more important than the money that he gives you that he is the most important thing and that that you are so determined that I must follow Jesus I must worship him I must do the things that he does I must live the way that he lived and I'll never experience Jesus fully unless I go and I do these things and I'm willing to suffer I'm willing to be for to be inconvenienced because following in Jesus footsteps is 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 so inconvenient. It's so inconvenient but it's so brilliant and it's so awakening and it's so amazing and we need to do that. You're missing out. I hope you a lot of, a lot of us have FOMO, the fear of missing out. But man, I hope you have FOMO in regards to the ways of Christ. I hope you have FOMO of following Jesus that you feel like you're missing out and you got to do it. But so many of us, we have FOMO when it comes to the ways of the world. Then the ways of the world, they're orchestrated by the devil. And we want those things. We feel like we're missing out on all these things. And meanwhile, we're being completely distracted. All our time is being used up. And you can't recover that time. But Jesus wants to direct us. He's calling us. He's ahead of us, and he's calling us to follow in those footsteps. Follow, follow, trace my footsteps. Be focused, be stubborn, be disciplined. 
Put in the work. He's calling us to do that because He has a greater life for us. And no matter how much life we have left, whether we're in our senior years or we're middle-aged or, or we're in our teens and we have, so much, we have so much of our life to live still, you can live the remainder of your life like a maniac following Jesus because you have that much faith, like Paul, that you're willing to do that. And Paul has his name written in the book of Acts and God used him to write the majority of the, of the documents that are included in the New Testament of the Bible because he was so focused and determined and stubborn for God. Which leads me to my last point. If you're going to follow Jesus, it helps if you can see the big picture. You know, at times you want to look at the small picture. You want to look at that one footprint. I got to master that one footprint and make it a regular part of my life. And no one could do that for me. I got I to gotta do that myself. I remember when Pastor Boz talked about, uh, talked about compassion and mercy. I, can't, I don't even remember what the sermon was like. But I remember that he said that he would get Tim Horton cards, gift cards, and put them in his car. And he's got them ready for people in need. So in our family, we made that a routine. We've made that a part of our, day, like our, our way of living. And we're always looking to re- replenish them in our cars, both our cars, and then distribute them to people at intersections who have a need. And when we do that, we realize we might be loving Jesus because he said, when you do it for the least of these, you do it for me. We're loving that person. We're loving Jesus. We're getting like two for one. And being Chinese, I love two for one. And so we got to do that. We got we to gotta focus sometimes on the small picture and really follow Jesus, whatever that might be. And so we took that up. We've implemented that into our lives. And we've done other things to implement into our lives. And we've still got way more to do, way more work to do. But sometimes we've got to get up in the big picture, not look at the single footprints and look at the whole beach and see what is the purpose of this. What can I see? God won't show you everything, but you can, he'll show you some of the big picture. And for Paul, he saw the big picture. that he was retracing the very footsteps of Christ himself. That just as Jesus felt compelled that he had to go to Jerusalem, Paul felt compelled by way of the Holy Spirit's leading that he had to go to Jerusalem as well. He knew that Christ suffered for him. He knew that he must suffer for Christ. He could see the big picture. He knew that Christ died for the sins of people just like him and the people around him. And he knew that he must do the exact same thing, even though he would be rejected, just like Jesus was rejected. He needed to retrace those steps, because, and he could see the reason why, because he could see the big picture. God loved the world so much, the cosmos so much, He gave His only Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish. Christians, we, we, we forgot that people perish. And just as Jesus said, in the, in the end, the love of many will, will grow cold. We're, we've headed into the summer and things are going to get hot. But as things get hot, let that be a reminder of just the opposite. That the Bible, that Jesus warns us that our love will grow cold. And because of that, we're going to forget that people perish. We're either going to forget or we're not going to care. And if we don't care, or if we forgot, something's wrong. Something's wrong. How do you care about being a witness? How do you care about being an ambassador of Jesus if you forgot that people perish? Or if you just don't care? 
God, revive that in us right now. Revive in us a love for people and a care for their eternities. We enjoy their company, but we don't care if they rot in hell, if they burn in hell. God, God, burn something, sear something into our hearts, sear love into our hearts, God. Paul saw the big picture. He was focused. He was stubborn. He was disciplined even when it came to the big picture. You can be focused on the small, on the micro, on the footprint. But you can adjust the focus and see the big picture. And for us, we've got to see that big picture. That our existence on earth is just this small in all of eternity. We tend to live for everything that happens within this speck of time. And we tend to live for the people that are around us within this speck of time, primarily with yourself in the center of that. Maybe your friends, maybe your family. But if you zoom out, you start to see all the people that God loves and that He cares for, that He gave His life for, people that you can't stand, that you hate, that annoy you, that have said bad things about you, that have hurt you. But God loves them. You're exactly the same because people can't stand you. People can't stand you. They've been annoyed by you, but God has loved you so much that He gave His Son. May God give us that same compassion that He has for other people, that He's had for us. May He give that same compassion to us that we can have for them so that our hearts burn, our hearts burn for those that would perish. We got to see the big picture. We got to see the big picture. And let me tell you, it's not convenient, but it's worth it. Following Jesus is worth it. It's worth it, but there's a way to do it. And that's what God's speaking to us about. Let me pray for us right now. Thanks for listening, but let me pray for us right now. God, today you've given us Paul as an example. Man, he had prophetic words given to him. He had a whole bunch of spiritual giants telling him that he shouldn't go. But yet he was so determined to go to Jerusalem because he knew that his path was to suffer for you. His path was to proclaim the name of Jesus. His path was to sacrifice. And so God, we've got convenience written all over our being because we've adopted that out of our, out of our culture. And it's not necessarily a wrong thing. But it's a wrong thing to bring into your, into your discipleship, a wrong thing to bring into your Christianity. And so, God, we need you to take out, to, to, to rip out that value of convenience and then to implement that willingness to suffer, God, that willingness to suffer. And then also that desire and focus to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And then to be able to zoom out and to look at the big picture and to understand why we do, why we are called to do what we do. And so for every single one of us that is listening, God, I want to pray for you to help us. Help us, nag us, direct us, encourage us, inspire us, help us 
Lord, we just confess that we're we're completely useless. We're stubborn. We're stiff-necked, like the like the Jews that we read about in Acts. So many of the Jews, even the ones that came came to faith in Jesus, you see that throughout throughout this very chapter that we read, that even though they came to faith in Jesus, they still wanted to force Old Testament rules on people. But we're stiff-necked, God. Forgive us for that. And for those that are willing, God, to open up their hearts and their lives, to put one foot in front of the other in Jesus' footsteps, help us to do that, God. Help us to do that more than everyone that we see around us. Help us not help us not to cling on to this bastardized version of Christianity that is just all about convenience, God. That's just all about us and less about you and less about others. Thank you, God. Thank you for speaking to us today about how to follow Jesus. It's in, it's in his important name. It's for his important cause that we pray, that we listen, that we obey. Amen. Amen.